chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. It's FSU Hate Week, everyone's favorite week of the year when we don't have UNC on the schedule. The most prized TV brand in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Uh, always love talking about the Knowles. Florida State's been a very good team this year, so obviously I need to get the scoop on what's happening here. Luckily, Brendan Sinone, the hardest working man in the FSU tunnels, has decided to join me today. Brendan, how are you doing? Second hardest working uh, behind Chris Nee, and if he heard that, he'd probably be very upset. But I'm doing well, Cam. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I don't know if Chris Nee ever sleeps. So every no. time I look at something, I go, oh, Chris Nee wrote this or posted this. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> the man literally gets up in the middle of the night, will go to the bathroom and just sit on his uh, iPad or not sit on <laughs> sit on the toilet. But then it'll just go on his iPad and update stuff. And then uh, just, he wakes up, <laughs> does it. It's just literally like everything he does is based on his iPad and updating the message board is <laughs> but so brandon you know i always like giving some background some ethos here you know how did you get into covering florida state athletics so the quick story is i well, i guess i probably won't be super quick i'll be moderately quick <laughs> on it I, I always wanted to do some level of, of sports writing like probably like middle school like something around sports was always fascinating to me i love sports i played football basketball growing up um so that's what I always wanted to do. And I turned out to be like a decent writer, something that I was also attracted to. So those two skills kind of blended together. So a lot of what I did, like middle school, high school, like I did yearbook. I did an internship with the Orlando Sentinel. You used to have a really cool program back when I was in high school where you could like legitimately do an internship, about a dozen or so high school students with like real sports reporters. You get to go to like you know, preseason training for the Magic and for the Tampa yeah. Bay Bucks. And so it was really cool. And so I was able to get my foot in the door that way, realize it was something I could do. I even, you know, if being like a really raw writer and, and needing a lot of work, but uh, went to UCF, stuck around and kept working with the Orlando Sentinel, did a lot of recruiting coverage, really loved that. Like found that fascinating, uh, the evaluation process, you know, like the recruiting drama on full, like that was a lot of fun. So I uh, did stuff with the Sentinel as like a freelancer, ended up becoming a full-time employee with them about a year after I graduated uh, from school and covered high school sports, learning how to cover like high school volleyball or, or you know, soccer. It was, it was kind of different. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing, but you learn a new set of skills. Uh, then the FSU job opened up at the Sentinel in 2013. Coley Harvey left to go to ESPN. You'll see his face all over uh, Sports Center now and uh, on ESPN quite often. So uh, he left for that job. Um, they needed someone to go cover FSU. They knew FSU would be good. Right. Uh, but they didn't think they'd be that good. And I don't know if they could <laughs> probably put, put someone as, you know, as green as me in that position. Um, so yeah, that, that ended up being a, a trial, uh, trial by fire type of deal for right. me. Um, but anyways, uh, it all, all worked out. I got a little bit better as I went on and kind of figured out and I've been doing it for 10 years now, man. I went to the 24 seven, I think in 2016, Okay. Um, kind of found my footing doing it here. And yeah, you know, I think everyone, yourself included like you see like we find our niches right you find right. what you do well kind of try to ignore what you don't and like just keep stacking on you know good things that you do for coverage so yeah been doing this for about a decade now it's kind of crazy to think about 
I mean, you talk about 2013. I'm thinking about I was entering college at that <laughs> at 2014. I remember going to Wake. That was the Monstars of the FSU team. Um, I mean, yeah. I I can't say enough about Brendan. Like when I do say he's one of the hardest working people. Every time I'm seeing something about the portal or just a long form article about you know FSU's game or something like that, it's always Brendan just posting something about that or Bourbon. Um, we'll get we'll to that in a little bit later. Um, so a little hardworking. <laughs> a little bit, you know, high. Well, we have to address the elephant in the room. Obviously, the massive TV ratings kind of fuss that, you know, FSU put on about potentially leaving the conference. I mean, I, I think at this point, we're all just like trying to get through the season. Did you ever feel like there was more of a emphasis that Florida State needed to do something this year because they talked, they were kind of loud and brash about we're the biggest mm. brand? Yeah, I I did actually. Like I, I did think about going into the season, which you know they had high expectations right. going into the year. Um, I think you know Vegas had them as like a double digit team or, or right, right around there. So like they were supposed to be a good team with the chance to compete for a playoff spot. Um, and that's kind of what's unfolded. You know, seven games into right. the season. Um, so yeah, I, I had considered when FSU was being very uh very um, what's the word I'm looking for. Brash. Uh, Brash was what. Yeah, yeah, and they were, and like I, you know, I understand why. I think that's yeah. kind of like I understand where, if you're on the outside looking in, you're like, who are these guys to say? But if you're Florida State, you're fighting for like what you think is the path to survival. <laughs> yes, exactly, and and that's kind of I think I don't know if we want to talk about it here, but I think that's what's interesting with the dichotomy of like Wake is like they're yeah. fighting for survival in their own way, right? And that's having Florida State in your league. So yeah, you're gonna like try to diminish what Florida State's saying as TV ratings and Florida State's going to take the one thing they've been really good at recently until this year, which has been TV ratings. And and, right. and so it's just, it was been a ton of posturing. I understand both sides of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Florida State had to back it up because yeah. uh, that was going, that was a calculated risk on their part. It would have looked really bad if they came out and laid an egg against LSU and you know, what if they lost against Clemson and were two and two right. and all of a sudden people start laughing at you. So right. if, uh, Mike Norvell has made, Michael Alfred and uh, and more so like the, the board of trustees look look very good yeah. uh, this season. Yeah, I mean it was it's definitely an interesting point from point of view of just like I guess from Wake's perspective. Like you say, like you look at Florida State the last few four or five years, and you know if you told people in 2014 they'd have a losing streak against Wake, they'd be like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> they'd be like, wait, 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 let's not it, do this. It is this low key like if you've been in it for a long time, like uh, you've you know this is like a like a it's not a, I can't say a rivalry, but there is this fun, like back and forth between the two programs. Like, it is <laughs> like Wake has humbled Florida State many times in the past yes. couple of decades. Like uh, before I even start covering the team, like uh, Bobby Bowden, right. I think like that was kind of like the end of like beginning of the end is when they lost to, right. to Wake as a 30 to three or something like that. I'm not getting my, uh, <laughs> my, my scores tied up, but um, yeah, it it is super interesting. So like even going up to like Wake this weekend, like I know you guys are struggling a little bit, but right. no, it, it would make a lot of sense in the world. Nervous. It would make a lot of sense in the world if it's just like, oh, if this is where Florida State gets got. Yeah, it would not. It would not be a surprise. Um, and I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it, it would not be. It, it would be somewhat poetic, right. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Shakespearean. So, I mean, you mentioned obviously Mike Norvell. You know, Dave Clawson heaped as much praise as humanly possible on him. During does his does press he do that conference. on purpose, by the way? I told so, my wife this morning. I think he does a lot of buttering up. I, I used another phrase that she didn't know what it was. I won't save it on the pod. Say it on the pod. <laughs> is, is that like a strategy for Dave? 
with with Dave, he does sometimes make even, you know, an old Dominion or an Elon sound like they're the 85 Bears. <laughs> but I do think there's actual genuine respect with regards to Mike Norville. I think when he talked about, you know, Norville being like making FSU like the exemplary force of what college football should be in 2023 in the portal. I was very careful when he was like, oh, no, is he going to get into like bashing FSU about, you know, being a big collective school? But he was very complimentary about like, hey, look, like. Mike Norvell knows how to evaluate, and I think that's mm-hmm. something he definitely respects, especially being at a school that needs to evaluate well. And he's like, I think one evaluator can say, like, hey, this dude's evaluating guys in the portal, high-end talent, the way other people are. So I don't think that one's a – and I know him and Adam Fuller have a have a good relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that's a, <laughs> that's too much of buttering up to him. But, you know, it's been – they were probably – how long has Norvell been there? Four, five years at this point? This is his fourth season. Fourth it felt like after a couple of years that people were trying to run him out the paint a bit and say, you know, is he the right person at the job, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what has he done in the last couple of years to really sort of reverse those fortunes and say, hey, I, I belong here? Start winning. I think. <laughs> um, it was interesting. Like that 2020 season was just, it, it was what it was. Like you, you came in amid a pandemic and you could explain that to people and either you got it or you didn't like you either understood like that was just a, a you know what show or you know or you didn't get it and so like that wasn't even you know a lot of time like smarter football analysts will call it a year zero yeah. that was like a year negative one kind of <laughs> the issue is though, like those losses those games still were played right what? and in three it's and six was the record right that still happened and so on the recruiting trail like that is being used against you and rightfully so like it, right. it should be it, it uh, you know that that's FSU's job to combat that narrative. And just, so anyways, you know, they go into the transfer portal with McKenzie Milton entering the 2021 season. Uh, they did a really good job with like solidifying the trenches. I mean, Jermaine Johnson, obviously a home run, Kara Thomas, really good. Uh, McKenzie Milton was a, was a gamble. Uh, and I don't think they quite knew what they could do with him uh, throughout the preseason. Same with Jordan Travis. And they kind of went with both and uh, the team was discombobulated. You start 0 and 4 in 2021, including, you know, one of the most humbling and embarrassing losses in, in FSU history, which was the the last second loss to to Jacksonville State, and so uh, really like I'm watching the team that season, and even like as they start to chip away and get some wins and like find their identity with Jordan Travis as their quarterback, and and I remember it's very like yeah, I, I'm petty. Uh, I won't fully <laughs> admit it. I, I keep receipts. Petty um, wars. <laughs> yeah, and I remember putting out a one scene and be like, okay, like they're starting to do things now when Jordan's healthy and right, like to where they're, they're competitive and they're playing better against better teams. And I was like, this team is legitimately getting better. I remember putting out a, uh, like a, a graph with S and P plus and. Yeah. And oh yeah. Oh, I do remember this. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> and so I've ever think of like, yeah, like, okay, they are, uh, they are ascending and like the, the numbers reflected. And it's always rewarding when you have a notion of like, I think this is what I see. And oh, boom, it's reflected right there and pretty, like, without having to go in ton of depth for research. Like, it's right there. And a lot of people at the time didn't want to see it. Um, and FSU finishes 5-7 and seven that year and falls just short right. of getting back to bowl eligibility after the 0-4 start with, like, a game against Florida where they just kind of lost their minds. I mean, they were right. they had stakes to play for, and it showed. And that was a yeah. team that hadn't done that. But, you know, to me, like, I was like, okay, you, you – you have a coach, I was sure of it, who could coach. Like the the X's and O's, the development in season, buy-in, culture, all that was there. And that's huge. 
uh, but could he recruit and would he have enough time to show it? And I think those were the big things, Cam, like for me, it was like, could he do it? And, and that off season, you lose Travis Hunter. So another just in the wildest recruitment I've seen Jackson, in a long time. <laughs> Jackson state. Yeah. To Deion Sanders and just like talk about poetic, like Shakespeare, <laughs> like it doesn't like prime comes in. And after you lose to Jacksonville state, you lose your five-star recruit prodigy to Jackson state. Right. And so those, you know, two moments bookending each other in a few months, like, yeah, I was like, okay, um, that's Mike can be a great X's and O's coach. And he is, and he can be a great, like, I love the way he manages people. Like I get right. to see that close up. And I think he's super consistent with his messaging. His messaging makes sense. Like, like he has tools in place to be successful. Um, but unless you're getting high end players at this level, right. that, that is problematic. Um, so yeah, the big difference cam is like, they hit on their portal guys again last year, and that allowed them to then start developing some younger players as well. Uh, and after that three-game stretch last season uh, where you you lost to Wake, you lost to Clemson, you lost to right. NC State, uh, you, you were able to get through it and start leaning on people and really start becoming the program that Mike Ravel thought. So and that's a long, long answer, um, but there's a lot of things that had to happen. And, and really, the, the main thing was uh, proof of concept. Like, yeah. you knew it was there. You knew you could coach. Uh, it just had to, you know, manifest itself in wins. And that started now. And now, like, they're going to make a jump this cycle from, like, a top 20 recruiting class usually to top five. Like, they are, there's not even this progression. Like, they have ascended. Um, what, and, you mean after after you stop Miami from lying to her? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Miami stuff is interesting to me. Um, and I, I – I put my, yeah, I dip my toe in it probably more often yeah. than I than need be, but um, a lot of schools, negative recruit, Florida State among them, like everyone's going to do yeah. it. Uh, just, yeah, th- there's things I guess I can't, I probably shouldn't say uh, on network, but like, yeah, I think Miami pressuring people and media to to write things uh, is is different than something I've experienced in, in my professional yeah. career. Right. You know, a lot of coaches asked to, to, hey, hey, can you, can you get this out there? And you say, maybe if it can make sense, uh, I don't think you do it if it's something that, that doesn't make sense and just blindly follow <laughs> and then have it used. Um, and uh, it's a coaching coaches shouldn't put that on, on people who like no. that. That's not a fair part of that relationship no. to me. No, I'm better in the spectrum here. Jordan Travis. I mean, portal portal quarterbacks are, you know, the rage. And I think people sometimes forget Jordan Travis is a portal commodity. Mm-hmm. He's someone that I, I remember, I believe the story was he almost quit quarterback and wanted to go play wide receiver. You know, what has his growth been from the guy that, you know, the first time I saw him was just kind of like on his back consistently, you know, against Wake in 2021 to now where, you know, he makes just everything go. It, it is, I get goosebumps thinking about it legitimately because like the ability again to kind of see something developing and say oh that's happening and then it's reflected in, in whatever film or numbers like that's a, a part of this job that I love and I think when you get to like a personal human level that that's like the like that's the holy grail of like coverage that, that's fun and and Jordan Travis came to Florida State as a very like broken player I don't yeah. think things went very well for him at Louisville with Bobby Petrino I uh, came to Florida State uh, Kendall Bryles wanted him. I don't know if Willie Tiger <laughs> was ever totally bought in on that. Um, and you know, we saw Jordan. Uh, I remember this very, very, very vividly in the spring when he arrived. It was windy out one day, 
and he could not throw the ball through the wind. Like it just kept the ball just kept fluttering and it's like, ah, oh, this may not be it. Right. And, um, you know, Willie Taggart gets fired after a loss against Miami. The very next week, FSU goes to Boston college. They have to win that game essentially to become bowl eligible. Right. And uh, Jordan Travis comes off the bench in like a wildcat formation and bust off like a 30 yard touchdown run. I said, Oh, where is that? Been this entire day? Like I, you know, at that point I was like, I just, I don't know if he can be a quarterback at this level, but like there was clearly something. And so you know, Mike Norvell comes in and not a lot of people know this, but like Jordan deals like with something kind of chronic and it's not like, you know, it could be debilitating at times for him. And, and so there are times when he couldn't practice earlier in his, his career before they got like the right things figured out for him. And so like, there'd be stretches like in 2020 where like FSU couldn't really evaluate him as to be part of their offense and he couldn't practice for long periods of time. And so uh, there was again, you know, more like he had to basically jump leapfrog multiple people on the depth chart to get that job. And then in 2021, they bring him McKenzie to compete with him and he had to do it again. And along that way, like he's losing confidence while gaining it and is yo-yoing uh, but FSU, again, I'll go back to the messaging, man. Like they just, you know, Mike Norvell at the time, Kenny Dillingham, Tony Tokars, uh, all the guys yeah. were quarterbacks were consistent with them. And they knew how to build Jordan up. And he got more and more progressively comfortable and confident. Fixed up his footwork was the main thing. Yeah. Uh, and once you got that going and he was throwing in rhythm, like he was an efficient passer with some high-end, borderline, maybe elite athleticism. Uh, and and he was tough and gritty and so like all those things have have led to him being you know one of the better quarterbacks in the country I, I don't think I've ever covered anything like this man where someone was so downtrodden didn't seem like they could be useful didn't believe in themselves you right. know and and he found a way and the coaching staff helped him get to that point and that's development and that is yeah, that's you know, we, we don't see that very often like that level of like commitment to someone and it, it to pan out in the way it has is, is is remarkable yeah i mean i feel like in this day and age especially with the portal and everything it's always like you know you're not doing well year one year two of being a starter no matter how long you've been there it's always okay get out of here but you know it's at least from my perspective it's been you know wonderful right. just to see him just really just be like a superstar at this point like i i, I don't think there's someone who works harder um, or that than him at this point like he looks like he just works his ass off 24 7 yes yeah for sure you know, moving on to, you know, his weapons, Keon Coleman, Gene Bell, Johnny Wilson, is he playing? Um, you know, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I I don't know. If if I were Florida State, I would not play Johnny Wilson until Miami if, if you get him back then, if that's okay. what, it, what, it, what it is. Uh, Mike Gravel said earlier in the week, for what it's worth, that he was you know, had some optimism with Johnny. We, we will see. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it felt like, you know, with these weapons preseason that, you know, they had really retooled a, a room that, again, I, I don't want to keep bringing up 2021, but like that felt like in 2021, it felt like the one of the worst, if not the worst wide receiver and tight end groups I've seen in the ACC, yeah. you know, was there a point this fall where it was, was it automatic this fall of like, you know, these guys are going to be like a top end unit or have there been some some growing pains there? Yeah, definitely growing pains in the sense that, like, all right, you knew what Johnny was and um, what he can still keep developing into. But, like, he had some some bouts of confidence uh, with drops earlier in the year, and that was kind of the right. big knock on him. And it was crazy. Like, he was so – and, like, we knew that would be from last year, from 2022 season. You saw him in the spring and summer and knew that was going to be a part of his game. Like, there would be moments where he did 
jaw dropping, phenomenal, six foot seven, 240 pound athleticism that you just don't see kind of things. And then have uh, the dropsies. And so we knew it was a part <laughs> of the game, but like it was not a problem at all this offseason. He started like really putting it together. And then like the week or two leading up to the LSU game, you started seeing him kind of get in his head a little bit. But he seemed right. to have gotten out of that, which is awesome um, for him. And then the rest of it, I think, is you're, you're trying to make all these pieces work. Are you going to go ahead and uh, acquire great talent, which they did. Like, there's no doubt that Keon Coleman is is a dude, and Gene Bell is a very valuable piece to this offense and to any offense if you use them the right way. Uh, but you have to make those guys fit in your offense, and Jordan Travis has to be comfortable with it. And I think that's been the learning curve. Like, is um, I don't know that Jordan feels pressure to get them all the ball, but like. I think his reads are to, you know, if he sees them one-on-one, it's like, I'm going to go ahead and get them the ball. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I think he Jordan then has put some pressure on himself. So I need to make a better pass or, you know, should I be making a, a different sort of read? And uh, so, yeah, I think that's been like the main thing is you have all these really good skill players, but you're trying to make them all work together. Whereas I think last year was just more defined roles. Like Ontario Wilson was your go, you know, your, your vertical right. guy. And yeah. like, that's cool. Like, but you know what he's going to, to be and to do and this is more of just like you got guys you can do a lot of different stuff that that's a blessing but it's also something you have to kind of make sure works for you um so a big thing man is really just like jordan kind of being comfortable with himself and and mike revell talked about this after the duke game he had a meeting with jordan uh, on i think it was the sunday before and said like man you be you you have fun because that's when jordan is at his best and i think that the the burden of him having to perform well him having to prove people wrong that he is a, a passer and and I think more importantly like that this team has really really lofty expectations that weighed on him and so you know does that does that Duke second half carry over to Wake this week and and where he's just feeling free and getting the ball to Keon Coleman when he's open and when he's not doing his thing and running the ball and streaming elsewhere you know we'll we'll see that that is a dynamic that will probably determine whether this is a a legit playoff team or not like if they can get to you know if that opens up for them right you I mean you mentioned duke second half you know one thing i've mentioned i've looked at at least when i've watched florida state games offense and defenses it's felt like they haven't been able to put together four quarters consistently it yeah. feels like it's like two quarters maybe three of just okay this is a top three team in the nation and a couple quarters of the hell are you doing here um, I think on offense, at least to me, it looks like it stems a lot from the running game or sometimes lack thereof. You know, I'm a little bit surprised at what's been going on with the offensive line, the running backs. Is that, is it injuries? Is it just guys missing holes? Is it, is it A, yes, a plus B? <laughs> it's all of it. Like, it, it, yeah, the the run game has been good this year. It hasn't been dominant, right. I think is the way to I look ex- at it. I like expected it, dominance out of, out of yeah. Benson. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's kind of, for them to get where they want to go, like it needs to be pretty darn close to dominant. Um, yeah, injuries with the offensive line are, are a real thing. Uh, they've they have an eight man rotation, and they've had to use that eight man rotation. <laughs> um, like they, I don't know if they've had a game where they've had legitimately like everyone at their disposal, full health, other than like the opener against LSU, right. and even then, like Robert Scott leaves the game uh, after a couple drives, and he's your starting left tackle. So like, yeah, that that is a thing for them, and they've they've weathered those injuries because of the depth um, and the run game. Like there are times where Trey Benson, I think tries to do too much and tries to bounce it outside when just three or four yards will do man. And um, the, the funny thing is like, he's averaging six and a half yards a carry. Um, like he's still 
a lot of that came against Virginia Tech, to be fair. But like he is running hard. He's doing good things for you. Uh, it's just, I think kind of going back to like, same thing with Jordan, like there's this right. kind of like this burden of like, ah, uh, yeah, I got to make something happen. Right. This, this offense should be explosive and I'm a big part of it. And uh, I think finding peace with yourself of like, okay, this is these, I'll take my, I'll have my moment, but I'm not going to, I can't create it. Like it'll, it'll create itself and be ready for it. And I think that's a big thing with Trey. Um, but like with the run game, at one point I I do want to make that, is interesting to watch as the season progresses because of the offensive line rotations. Um, they get better as the game goes on. I think they're either first nationally, maybe they fell off a little bit in yards per carry this week, but like in the fourth quarter of games, and actually I think the yards per carry went up. I think some other teams may have jumped them. I think so they may be third now. They, they are leading the country or right around there in rushing yards and yards per carry in the fourth quarter of games. And like, so that rotation offensive line may not make sense at times during the course of a game, but if you're looking at it holistically at this full uh, game, I think that's a part of the reason why Florida State does have those those spurts. It's because right. you're kind of playing possum a little bit. You're you're conserving for when you really have to to kick. Right. And LSU they they kicked at the right time. Um, Duke they kicked at the right time. Right. Last few weeks, actually, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, like you've you've really pushed it into into the, the top gear when you've had to. Uh, other than than Clemson, that was uh, an even uneven game to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than that, like that that's the only time like they really haven't like really when they had to to have it on offense haven't found it. Right. And so like yeah, I guess BC too, but that was a weird and oblique game. Team had the flu. And, uh, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that, that's the caveat I would say. And like that is an interesting point. Like. You know, starting this weekend at Wake, like, is this does this run game it can be more consistent early on, and and does Trey Benson kind of find his his footing, uh, you know, to be an elite back? You know, shrugging my shoulders, I know. Like, we, 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 <laughs> no, I mean, fourth quarter Knowles has been good. I, I, they've honestly been one of my favorite bets. Like, just live betting has just been. Oh, quarter. really? You say you yeah. Oh, just just nice. just pick just pick four quarter FSU. You'll figure it out. And I'm um, going for there. But it's it's been interesting to see because he, I I I feel like I expect dominance for four quarters, but I can see why saving. But it's always weird to see that sort of lull. I think the the Virginia Tech game was like that, where you jump out twenty two nothing, and then all of a sudden you're looking around, going, "What what what's going on here?" Granted, yeah. some fluky stuff. One of the worst missed passes, pass interferences I've seen in a very long time. A kick return. You know, if you were a defensive coordinator, obviously, you know there aren't many holes in this FSU offense. How are you attacking it? Hmm. So right now, I think like the main thing that's kind of proven to be like this is the ceiling that's been put on Florida State is Jordan Travis consistently winning vertical routes downfield. Um. And it's perplexing to me because he's been good at it. He was really good at it, borderline elite at it in 2022. And it was actually like before he was really as, as accomplished of a passer as he has been uh, in 2021 was like fine at it. I think he's, he's probably one of the, the lower end players this year at, at winning, you know, one-on-one deep shots. And I don't know if that's like just this weird statistical anomaly. Right. I don't know if, you know, teams are just kind of daring, like they, they think they found something with like, okay, the wide receivers you have don't win those matchups, uh, even though they can win a lot of other type of matchups. That's just not a strength. I don't know if Jordan himself isn't feeling like, you know, he can, 
if there's something limiting him from being able to to make those deep shots. Yeah, so there's something that is missing there. But like Southern Miss did it, <laughs> and uh, it got blown <laughs> out. But like they did provide this interesting blueprint of like, yeah, we'll just play trail technique and one on one, and like let you try to take the shot and, and man coverage. And uh, teams the next few weeks did similar stuff. And, and right. FSU, you know, Clemson did it, and obviously Clemson has the corners to do it. But like FSU struggled with it. So uh, I think what we've seen early in the season is you can bait Jordan into making that that explosive read and that's what the offense dictates and over a period of time like that's going to be successful whether it's opening things up underneath even if you're not hitting it but you can win on a down-to-down basis sometimes and and force FSU to play a closer game Uh, so that's one thing I would do Um, yeah I would keep testing out like the offensive line like even as you have to be careful with blitzing because it does create like a one-on-one with Keon Coleman potentially right which is horrifying (laughs) Uh, yeah but uh you know, the offensive line has had so much, so much rotating and continuity right. change. Like I would try to stress them out and just try to try to force them to communicate at an elite level. And so that's stunts, <laughs> yeah, stunts, blitzes, whatever, just force them to like overthink things. You, know, you got guards moving sides, you know, every few series, or you have, uh, you know, Darius Washington will play left tackle, right tackle, right. center. Like, you know, I would try to put put as much pressure on those guys as possible and, and see what happens, I guess. But, you know, then you're giving up something. And that's ultimately where this offense is. It's like they do force you to surrender a lot of things. And right. Mike Norvell is very good at finding what you, you know, what you soften up with. Uh, he, he will hit you with that eventually. Yeah, kicking things over to the defense. I know you don't have uh, Daryl Jackson, which, you know, yeah. thankfully bummer. for ev- yeah, thankfully for everyone else, bummer for obviously <laughs> FSU. Um, the NCAA is a sham of an organization. We'll just get that out right now. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> <weird to me. laughs> the the defensive line has still been really good. I mean, obviously Jarrett Verse has been, you know, an NFL draft pick, but I think a name people, unless you were really in the portal names, wouldn't have really thought about was Braden Fisk. Love that dude. <laughs> that uh, out of Western Michigan, uh, just really, really good guy with him, Pat Payton. You know, what have they done to really bolster this defensive line? Kind of similar to what the offensive line, they've invested in numbers and rotating. Um, that's without Daryl Jackson, too, like you said. But, like, you know, they took Braden Fisk and Daryl Jackson in the transfer portal. And they brought back and they retained Fabian Lovett. Um, and so that's, you know, three-man rotation. Uh, right there, and they retained Josh Farmer, which was uh, yeah. I'm not sure how much a, you're a story. <laughs> a story, yeah, yeah. I know you're well averse to it, but um, yeah, it was a a lot of drama in the offseason with him entering the transfer portal, thinking he had opportunities elsewhere, maybe on his ride up to those opportunities elsewhere, realized they weren't quite what he thought, and came back to Florida like nuts, crazy, crazy, crazy uh, spring there. <laughs> um, but he's been one of your better defensive linemen, so it's a really good thing for Florida State that it worked out in the way it did. Um, Pat Payton's emergence, like you said, uh, the defensive end depth after verse and Payton kind of falls off. Uh, Gilbert Edmonds had some nice moments. Right. Uh, Byron Turner, I like, but uh, you know those guys. Eh, there's a drop off. Whereas the defensive tackle group, like they're even get to like your fifth guy, like Malcolm Ray, like it doesn't feel like this crazy drop off. But you have enough quality depth up front, even with the edges, the second string edges. You know, having that that bit of a dip uh, to where you can still play them you know, twenty snaps a game and, and get productive meaningful um, minutes or, or snaps out of them. And so like FSU sends these waves of athletic 300 pounders and then Jared Verse and Pat Payton, who uh, are very different body types. Like Jared Verse is violent, physical burst at the point of attack where Pat Payton is this 
lengthy, bendy, gumby like kind of. And so like (laughs) you can can attack people in different ways. And like FSU hasn't even like Adam Fuller talked about this week. But there's things where Braden Fisk they have not done yet this season that they have in their (laughs) reserves. Yeah, because he's a really good pass rush, and they've just asked him to kind of be a bull rusher uh, interior of the defensive line. But like. When he was at Western Michigan going against power five teams, uh, they would put him on the edge sometimes and he would wreak havoc there too. So like that's, that's kind of, to me, Ben, you know, th- this defense is good. Uh, and when it plays a lower end offense, it has, a, the, they jump up to great. Usually they're able to kind of lean on them. And, um, you know, they've been the only defense so far this season to make Jaden Daniels look pedestrian um he's lit up everyone else he's he's faced so like there, there's some really like good potential uh and, and upside for this defensive group but i think it all starts with those like those trench right. guys because they've invested in retention addition development like they they've done all of it and so yeah you have about long story short nine ten quality defensive yeah. linemen that you can use throughout the course of a game which is pretty cool that's that's, that's what you need to if you want to win a title that's what you yes. need Mike Norvell talked about that, like at the beginning of the season was, you know, you look at Georgia, like they study and basically like the, the teams that have contended for national championships in the last few years, like none of their or very few of their like defensive linemen were playing more than 40% of the snaps. So yeah, depth matters in the trenches. Philadelphia Eagles have, Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me. The I'm birds. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, birds, uh, Philly fans need the birds right now with, uh, <laughs> whatever happened with the Philly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I know the linebacker group is probably the most talked about one in Florida state fans, whether Mm -hmm. good or bad. Um, (laughs) Where do you stand on that? If people have a polarizing view of Randy Shannon, who has developed all of his linebackers to play career best um, at the position, you know, the two years he's been here, I think guys have gotten progressively better under him. Um, And the big, question mark is this recruiting i guess what he might end up being fsu's top recruiter ranked recruiter on staff this cycle uh so that's been a fun redemption arc three stars it doesn't matter (laughs) a a ran a redemption arc if you will now randy's like a good like he works really well with adam fuller really important with the game planning very steady presence for you out there and like adam can be a bit of a hothead so like randy's a really nice cool balance uh to to him there as the co-defensive coordinator um and you know, the linebacker room uh, itself, you know, when healthy, it's a a well above average power five group. I don't think you have elite like game changers there, but you have, you know, Tatum Bethune very steady and sees things well. And, you know, he was developed by Randy at a, at UCF. And I must say another here. portal. <laughs> yeah. He ended up a portal guy for sure. But like, you know, I had tip to Randy, like he developed him as a, you know, thousandth rank prospect coming out of right. uh, Miami uh, central. So He's good. Candle Loach, obviously the, the play against Clemson. Yeah, that, that will <laughs> go down in FSU lore, especially like if FSU runs the table in the regular season and has a chance to play for something. Like he changed that game. Uh, and it was a dude who was here at the start of the Willie Taggart era and kind of saw it through. DJ Lundy's a nice rotational piece. I think the big thing like for me is like what happens with that fourth linebacker. And it's it's usually been, I know, so I know we're getting into the weeds here for your, for your audience, but like <laughs> that is a it. That is a point of the game, especially with Wake's offense and the way they run things with a slow mesh and put linebackers in conflict as much as any position group. Um, Is Omar Graham, is someone FSU has invested a lot of snaps in and and getting him to be a player 
to be ready you know, in a year right. when you know, those seniors are gone. Um, and he has moments where he, he does okay. We'll flash like with some speed and you see it there. Uh, but there's a lot of tentativeness from him too. And, and they will kind of let him work through it. Like we saw that against Duke. They let him work through it for a full series. And Duke was able to move down the field. And I think, is that when they kicked a field goal? I think they may have kicked a field goal before half. It was a long, drawn-out drive. Um, I, I could be wrong. But, like, anyways, you were able to move on Omar. And some of the stats, like, bear out that the defense does take a step back when he's on the field. But, like, that is probably, to me, like, the biggest, like, the most – maybe one of the bigger weaknesses. And, again, we're getting into if, the weeks if some, here. If someone gets hurt, you know, what what happens then? What, well, then he, yeah, then you're talking about, you know, 15 snaps a game become – 25 to you know and you're talking about a couple more possessions and so yeah like uh, but your your linebacker depth might be one of your weaker links on on the roster which again that's that's nitpicky but th- that is a, a thing that's still in development right yeah i i didn't think i saw the dbs playing as well as they did or as they have this year i think the last time i saw i think they were you guys are seventh in epa per pass allowed Crazy. um did you expect that <laughs> Um, so I thought the corners going into the season and seeing, seeing them in camp would be very solid. I didn't think you had a glaring hole at corner. Like Fentrell Cypress isn't, he was like a top five player in the transfer portal and like impactful playmaker. No, like he's not an elite player, but is he very good? And does he, you know, if he loses a rep, it's usually because he forced you to do something through the air. Like, yeah, pr- pretty pretty remarkable as a passer so like him renard and renardo green's been awesome that dude's a badass like he's been here since the beginning uh has gone through it with injuries position changes and he'll probably be like a all acc you know second or third team type of yeah. guy and have a chance to get drafted which is a cool story jerry and jones another dude came in early as a transfer they've developed him he's gone right. through it uh so they've had a lot of guys who kind of stuck it out at cornerback and that's a good group Safety is kind of the weak link, uh, the other weak link on defense. Like, that's the other position where I have some uh, hesitancy on. But, like, Shaheen Brown's been playing progressively better each and every week and kind of stepped into himself. And that was a – talk about development, man. Like, they, like he was a thousandth-ranked player out of uh, Lake City in, in North Florida. And they, they found him through connection uh, to an old FSU player as the coach there. And uh, he might be an all-ACC, you know, borderline right. type, of, type of guy. Like, his PFF numbers are great. The other safety positions a little bit more hit or miss with Akeem Dent and Kevin Knowles. Uh, Conrad Hussey's going to be a stud one day. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he's got a little ways to go. Um, so yeah, to answer it, like, did I expect them to be like elite at pass defense? Probably not. I thought they'd be very good, and, and right. I do think what we've seen is like they don't give up a ton of like silly missed assignment type of right. you know, coverage plays. And I did if you think win, you win. That. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they like yeah. So and you know that that's. Yeah, during that three-game losing streak last year, we saw that pop up quite a few times. Um, in right. Clemson, you know, dialed some things up and had them open. So like they've communicated well, and so it's a veteran group. Uh, it's one that's been in this. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would be fun to actually probably go through and look how many snaps these guys have in the system under this you know defensive staff. But it, it's a lot. So did I think they'd be elite? No, I thought they'd be good, uh, and, and they have been more than more than good. Yeah, you know, same question from the offense. You know. If you're an offensive coordinator, how are you attacking this defense? So they're going to concede some stuff against the run. I know yeah. it sounds weird. Like they're going to let you they're try gone. to get four or five yards yeah. uh, sometimes. Um, and ask, I shouldn't say like they're going to like allow you to. 
they're going to be okay not throwing a bunch of numbers at it. Now, yeah. I mean, they're soft. Yeah. They're softer in the box. It just, yes, it happens. Kid show. Um, they'll send a safety down sometimes more often, I think, than people think. Oh, but still, yeah, you're you're going to allow that to an extent, and that's you're preventing big passing plays. Like that's your trade off, right? right? Um, yeah, I think that the times we've seen them struggle. It has been when teams have found a balance on offense, and that starts with being able to run the ball a little bit and get you know make them a little soft, and and then you can finally start like play action, moving moving around in the pocket a little bit. Their linebackers have been better at this recently, but earlier in the year, uh, their eyes were really bad at the start of games. Uh, LSU and Syracuse, uh, Boston College, were teams that were able to hit them like on crossing, like misdirection stuff early on. So. You know, eye candy, get those linebackers guessing a little bit is one way to do it. Uh, but you got to be able to run the ball to some extent or another. You're not, I don't think you'd be able to just sit back and throw on them. So, you know, for Wake to have a chance, that they're going to they're gonna have to maximize, like, with that slow mesh, if the linebacker gets out of place, like, you're going to have to hit it. Like, it's got to be a valuable run. Um, and so that that's – you got to hope you can be able to consistently run on them over and over and over through the course of the game. Eventually, this defense buckles down. They're really good right. in the red zone. I don't think that's – I don't think there's that's an anomaly. I think that's yeah. that's a thing. I'm surprised you didn't say a mobile quarterback because it felt like for <laughs> five to six weeks straight you guys played nothing but mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, they're, they're, like they struggle against it. Like they're one of the worst teams in the country in Adam Feller, Fuller's tenure, like stopping mobile quarterbacks. But they also don't like. Again, this goes back to like how they allocate things, resources, right. whether it's practice time or reps or uh, schematically what they're giving up. They don't really like when they go against a mobile quarterback. I remember like. Yo, John Franklin, <laughs> blast from the past, Jesus. Uh, was, was emulating Mario. Um, oh my God, who's the Oregon quarterback? Oh, Nick's. Or, no, or well, back from then. back in uh, oh. not Mario. Oh my God, hang on, rewind. Twenty fourteen Heisman winner, Mariota. <laughs> Marcus Mariota. Jesus, I see. I told you I'm getting old and getting tired before we start recording. <laughs> Marcus Mariota. Uh, I remember they, you know, they would put like a dynamic athlete. At, at scout team quarterback to emulate it like this team doesn't really do that so i think it's like they're okay like they got to be sound in how they you know prevent like big running you know plays and need to be better at that but like they don't for whatever reason that doesn't seem to scare the crap out of them it, it's interesting but you are right cam like they they went against like the elite of the elite with running quarterbacks Jaden right. daniels thomas castellanos has proven to be a dude garrett schrader is a really good running quarterback um yeah riley leonard dinged up uh, so before that, <laughs> yeah. but before that, so they did catch a break there with that. Cause that was taken away from them. Uh, that dude's really good too. Like him throwing on, on one leg. Like if he's, if he's right and they somehow make it to the ACC championship game, that'd be a fun rematch. Cause he's, he, yeah, he's a lot of fun. You know, I'm not going to let you out of here with, without a kicking question because Ooh. that was a, you know, what show last year, I feel like yeah, well, at least the first half fun. of the season. Um, and another one that's felt like it's just been the lights come on. Like, is it, is it just, was there competition during the spring and fall to push in that way? Was, you know, some sort of mental psychologist. Cause I like, you know kickers are just always had cases no matter who you ask, but you, know, <laughs> you are, you are in here? your head with yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a very isolated job. Yeah. So I think some of it is uh, apparently before last season, Ryan Fitzgerald, like try to change up some of his you know, mechanics right. and that obviously did not work. And you were talking about like, getting in your head, like try changing what you've done your entire life. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> okay, okay. Like that is, that is a, that is a choice. So that's a, that, that's a decision to make. That's interesting. Um, 
And so like, that's been part of it is like, just getting back to what he does and, you know, maybe, maybe that limits him some, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a kicking expert. Um, I just know when they go in and, and he's done that. And I don't want to say anything that FSU fans would be mad at. He's, he's done that very well this year. Um, right. And I think having you mentioned competition, like I think that helped a little bit because that created pressure every day in practice that wasn't internal. Like it was external you know, pressure to, to go against Tyler Keltner who came from uh, FCS level and you know, good career, like 75% kicker, like fine. And would always be between 70 and, 79% I think in, in every season uh, Tallahassee dude so like you know he was good for 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 Ryan and yeah man it's it's been really cool it's been a cool story it's one I like I hesitant to write about or talk about a ton but like him and Alex Mastromano the punter guys have kind of gone right. through it and had to develop over time and and they have and like it's been rewarding to see that for them too it's, it's been cool they've both been big assets for Florida State for sure yeah no it's great uh you know just a couple more for you you know Florida State wins if they do what, and they can't win if they do X. All right, so how does so for them to win? Like, what's the what's the point spread? Twenty, 20 and a half. Okay, like, <laughs> I I think Dave Clawson's one of the best coaches in the country. I love him. Actually, when they hired Mike Norvell, I kind of like wanted Dave Clawson <laughs> during that cycle. Like, I was like, I just I think he's he finds ways to get it done. He's smart yeah. and um innovative and good evaluator and good developer, like checked a lot of boxes. Um, But like, they're kind of in a reset. It seems like this year, they're still four and three. Like they're still like adequate with that, with that reset and things not working out well at at quarterback. And I'm sure you've documented all this stuff far better than I I can, but like, yeah. FSU should be able to go and take care of business. They should outman them in the trenches. They should have better athletes. Like if you go and, and you're professional and you're buttoned up, it should be a game that you're able to control. Not necessarily saying like blow out, but like you should be able to control that game and it should not be a close game in the fourth quarter. I think big picture, man, like these next few weeks, like we're going to see a lot about this team maturity wise. And I think it's a mature group, but like we're going to see like how you've handled, okay, you've had ups and downs this season throughout the course of games. You mentioned like you've had these crazy like lulls where you'll, you look extremely vulnerable and then you'll have these crazy runs where you're like a 30 nothing run. Like, wow, how did that happen? It happens really fast too. Can they play a complete game and can they do it on the road against wake on a sleepy Sunday? And can they do it at pit the week after with Miami looming the next week? Like, so like, like this is college football. We see it every single weekend. There's other than Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and all that fun stuff. There's not a whole (laughs) lot of like, dominance like wire to wire going on right now even though a lot of like good teams haven't lost um or haven't had like big upsets i should say uh, because we have like nine undefeated left eight or nine um like you still you have to the best teams are gonna be able to handle their business each and every week and so like there's gonna be trap games here that i'm gonna know it's cliche but so like yeah if you beat Wake, it's because you came out, you were dialed in, you were loose, you control the football, you control the line of scrimmage, like all the things that are kind of in your control. If you handle those, like you should get out of dodge, like you should be fine, and it won't be this weird at Wake Forest type of game that, like I, I think <laughs> smiling, I know you are too, like that we think that like that does exist. There is that on the table. <laughs> Wake, and then next week against Pitt too, like those are things. Um, so I, I, I just watched UNC lose a game they had no business losing to in Virginia, yeah. like <laughs> um, Miami against Georgia Tech, like it, you know, it, it's 
college football is played by teenagers and 20 something year olds. And it's a long season. A lot of weird things can happen. So um, FSU could lose. Like, yeah, if you, if you don't take care of the football, if you're sloppy with it, if you don't capitalize, like you know, they've, they've had a rough stretch recently with converting on some down to go, like, you know, fourth and one stuff. Um, which is shocking, which is shockingly where Wake is actually good at is you know, <laughs> short, you go. short conversions, goal line defense. That's actually where Wake has right. been so, pretty good at. <laughs> the game could, that's funny. So the game could get weird if you put together a nice drive and yeah, you have to kick a field goal or you go for it fourth and one at the 50 and all of a sudden Wake has like all of a sudden, you know, three points, seven points turns into three points and all of a sudden you give them three points or, you know, a touchdown off of a turnover on debt, like that stuff that could could make this a game very quickly. And and right. I think Dave Clawson, would you like, I think he's a really good in-game coach. Um, You watch it much closer than uh, I am. Adjustment, adjustment wise. Yeah. I think the into half stuff can be kind of here and there, but I, whether it works or not, you can actually see adjustments going. Okay. Especially at least last week where, you know, you kind of saw, Hey, Pitt was down a few corners and he went, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't throwing the ball at all. Now they're down two corners and a linebacker let's throw it. And so he, he, he sees stuff. It's fine. Like FSU this year, I think one of the, one of the bigger gripes you can have is that they have not been great at the end of halves. Uh, Clemson, they were really good, and right. they won that middle eight. Uh, so take that, Clemson. Um, and <laughs> beat, you, beat you at your own game. Uh, like, other than that, like, it's been, like, borderline disastrous. Like, Jordan Travis getting hurt uh, against, was it Boston College before Is he healthy? Time. Is he what? Is he healthy? Yeah, I mean, he's Jordan, man. I don't know if he's ever feeling – like, the way he plays the game, like, and he's not a big dude. Like, I don't know if he's ever feeling 100%, but, like, oh, yeah. I think he'll – yeah. Mobility and him being able to move around, he seems pretty, like, okay. spry. Um, But, like, you know, you know, he gets he gets hit in the end of the first half against Boston College. Uh, against Syracuse two weeks ago, it was borderline disastrous with right. – you give up a sack, and then Darius Washington comes in and get, gets hurt, and, like, I just – okay, you know, Duke wasn't great this past <laughs> week. So – and that's – Wake really blew that game open or was able to, like, to go ahead and, and get, you know, the, the lead that it needed to win in Doak last year. I think, if I remember correctly, was the end of half. Uh, they yep. put together a really good drive. So, yeah, I, yeah. it was – it was really – I think you guys either returned a kick to start off or returned, returned very well, like, just drove down the field. And then it was that middle eight. I think Wake scored, like, when, like 21 nothing in that middle eight and just said, we're just going to sit on the ball the rest of the so, game. Yeah, yeah, you get that advantage, you definitely <laughs> should do that. You get Dave Clawson smart. So, like, yeah, you know, there's – Florida has to capitalize on its opportunities, and you know, I don't mean this to be disrespectful to Wake. I just, you know, I don't think this is a Wake team that scared me like someone in the past to have. But it's you know, a twenty and a half point spread. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, Vegas says so as well. So I don't yeah. feel like I'm speaking out of out of school there. You you did mention Michigan. Um, you so you covered the the Florida State national championship game, right? I'm assuming in 2013. Yeah, yeah. that was yep. Yeah, um, so you were there obviously when Auburn had Florida State signals for an entire mm-hmm. half. What are your thoughts on this whole <laughs> Michigan State? <laughs> it's funny. Like we did a lot of like retrospect, re- retrospective uh, talking to 2013 players and coaches and stuff like that. And yeah. before the season, kind of the 10 year you know, memory of it. And like one thing that, that Trey Roland and myself like dug on and Trey would ask us every single time we talked to a guy was like, was Auburn stealing your signs? And like, yeah, they, yeah. they everyone to T has <laughs> said it to some extent or another, like, yeah, they were stealing your signs, but like, Mike Ravel was asked about this yesterday. You, that's part of the game. That's gamesmanship. Yeah. Like you're standing up in the press box. Like there's a reason why you have signs and you have guys with different colored shirts to 
try to throw people off. Like that's part of it. Like that's nothing wrong. Like that is, right. you know, that's, that's part of the game. Um, I think there are rules that are in place to prevent people from going to a game and recording, you know, a, <laughs> recording on the sideline and using electronic uh, technology to go ahead and, and get an advantage. And, you know, it's still kind of coming out and I'm following it, the Michigan stuff. I'm interested in it. I'm not following every twist and turn, like uh, as it's happening each day, but I'm getting caught up like every few days and it is fascinating uh, that find you a, uh, a man in a program who loves a martyr, you know, like Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, like they go in and yeah, the, the, there's uh, some of that that adds to it, makes it even more entertaining to me um, and fascinating. But like, yeah, Michigan fans thinks it's a witch hunt. Uh, the rest of the country seems to be enjoying it. So it. It is only a matter of time before the NCAA gets someone for something, you know, like it's cyclical. Like it, it will always be your turn at some point or another. Michigan's just finding a way to do it with cheeseburgers and, and <laughs> failed espionage. And so they're doing it in a way that's pretty fun. Brennan, this was great. I, I mean, two things for you. One, where can the Wake Forest fans find you? Two, Christmas is coming up. I know we haven't hit Halloween, but Christmas is coming up. I need a $100 bottle of whiskey. Oh, where, where am I going? All right. Well, Chattanooga Whiskey is our sponsor for for On the Bench. Uh, they they do a great job, but like, I don't think, you know, another stuff costs a hundred bucks. Um, well, there's some of their experimental stuff, so 60 or 70, and I love almost all of it. Um, I will say, like, if you're trying to find something that is a little uh, bougie and you want, like, someone who likes bourbon right. and is going to be able to, like, appreciate, like, oh, this is good quality, I'm always a fan of going with store picks and from some of the bigger brands because if it's someone who knows quality like they're going to be excited to try something different because it is a store pick and so that means it's just a single barrel and it's going to be very unique to the normal offering so like wild turkey does russell's reserve and it's 110 proof and it's about 60 70 bucks uh and you can get it like normally around 45 to 50 but you find a single barrel of theirs and it's going to be incredibly different than what their normal standards are and so you can do that uh you can do maker's mark cast strength uh store picks uh, makers mark select is what it's called and that's going to be done with more proof and uh different like oak finishing so those are two different names like go look for a store pick ask someone at a yeah at a reputable like liquor store near you like you know where uh you know what their store picks are and if you see either of those like you know those are good products and their store picks are usually going to be really cool and different and so someone who loves someone who you love enough and would love to get a hundred dollar bottle of bourbon would probably appreciate something unique and different there. Um, as far as where to find me, Knowles247.com Twitter, I think is at B Sinone. Uh, and that's where I do most of my trolling. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had one more point, Cam, that I, I thought of like, if, if that's cool, it. I know we've probably run long and I've rambled yeah, go for it. So uh, one thing like with the realignment stuff, I think it might be a fun way to, to end this is, you know, with the the beef between Florida State and yeah. and Wake that was public kind of in in this off season, and I think it's real. Like I think there's some legitimate like animosity there. Like oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wake doesn't want to, you know, Wake doesn't want things to change for reasons I understand, and Florida State does want things to change for reasons I understand. And everyone's looking out for their own best interest. One thing that like I've I've thought of a lot in the off season and like. 
Florida State pointing to the TV numbers I know comes off as like, all right, like what have you done on the field lately? Right. My point is though, is like every domino that's fallen has been about TV value. Yep. Like it's not about wins and losses. And I and inherently, if it, if it did, Boise State would be in a con. Would be exactly, and like and that's you know, Rutgers wouldn't be in the Big Ten from from ten right. years. You know what I mean? Like and and that that does suck like that, yeah. that that's not what it's about and i think that's not in the spirit of like what college football should be but like that is the reality of it right. and and so like yeah that was one thing that i always felt like from florida state's perspective they should push the numbers because that's the ammunition they have like that is what's going to ultimately matter and that's why like whenever time does come like to either ante up with the acc right. or like if F is able to get out of it like they're going to find a home because they matter as a brand that yeah. that extensively and it's just I, I don't blame anyone for trying to diminish it if it doesn't suit you, you know, because you know, what's going to happen a week or to Syracuse or Boston College, like if, if the ACC blows up, right. like you don't want it to be like an Oregon State type of thing. So like right. everyone's fighting and acting desperately, Florida State, Wake, everyone in between. Um, yeah. I mean, I made, I made the point to someone else a week or two ago. I mean, even look at a Virginia Tech or like something like that, like, yeah. Even if you do end up in a super league, whatever, are you going to be happy being a zero win team, a one win team? Like, like at a certain point, either you chase the bag and you're going to be good, you chase the bag where you're going to be a step over team, or you get kind of left out. Like, even if you're someone that's banging the door down, unless you're a top tier team, it it's it doesn't look pretty for you. And you can't sell fans of yeah, we're getting this much money because. Rutgers fans sure try to run, run Greg Schiano out of there every every year. <laughs> so and you're getting paid to be a doormat and to an extent, like if you're you're Rutgers. Um yeah, it's interesting because like you know, college football has always been a tier system. Yeah. Um, but there was the ability to kind of like wait could move in and out of it. Uh Boise State can find a way to do stuff. And you know, moving to a 12 team playoff, I think keeps that open that cinderella idea open a little bit but like between conferences becoming increasingly larger and a a fewer more finite amount of of them and then the transfer portal and collectives like it is very much so like cask tier system like the the richer get rich and the poor get poor and you know it's gonna be hard for people to like a ucf are they too late like did they jump up in in time i don't know i don't know it's it's fascinating It's all, it, it's it's tough. Um, I uh, I hate this part of it, not just because I mean realignment has always been a part of the sport. Like if you go back to the 1900s, everyone leaves everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just I think it I think it does suck because I feel like we spend more time worrying talking about you know what's happening next versus hey what's happening on the field. And I think that's right that's that yeah. And it's like we're in the middle of a season thinking about oh no what's going to happen to the pack. The Pac-12 is having the best season of their of their lives right now, and it's like. Well, next year you're not real. So. <laughs> and again, I use it poetic again. Like there's something kind of like that is a storyline. Like the the farewell is this. You know, it's always been this high octane offensive league. Yeah. Is Washington and Oregon right. are doing amazing things, and the next tier teams are too. And then Utah's just going ahead <laughs> to what Utah does and like just bullying people. Chef's kiss goodbye. <laughs> like go ahead, Utah. Like do your thing as it as it all falls around <laughs> apart around you. Beautiful, Brendan. Thank you so much. Joining us, and as always, good eeks.